0: This is Voices of the Industry, the Apps Alliance podcast. Hello, this is Jacob Goldstein of the Application Developers Alliance, and today I'll be talking to Thomas Sumner, the Senior Content Marketing Manager at AppLift. We'll be discussing customer lifetime value and its role in mobile games marketing, along with other issues in mobile games marketing, such as the recent controversy about in-app purchases, both in the United States and in Europe. Hello, Thomas. Before we started, I was wondering if you'd tell us a little bit about AppLift. Yeah. So, yeah, hi. So,
1: AppLift is a marketing platform which is exclusively focused on, on mobile games. Uh, and we work with most of the major game publishers around the world. Um, our main uh, focus is um, that we uh, really optimize for uh, ROI positive spending. Um, mainly through our LTV optimization technology and uh, an Advertiser Dashboard that allows you to optimize the the campaigns. Um, In turn, on the other side, we also work with over 3,000 media partners uh, across different different channels, uh, from everything from apps, mobile webs, OEMs, TV channels, strategic partners, um, et cetera. Uh, We also do uh, social and RTB, and, uh, yeah, so basically we, we connect the demand from the mobile game advertisers to supply and make sure we uh, we deliver high-quality, loyal, end users.
0: Okay, okay, cool. Um, so today we're going to be talking about customer lifetime value, and that's um, a concept that, that really, like, that makes a lot of a sort of inherent sense uh, when you, when you think about the way a business works, is to to track how much a a customer is worth to you over the course of your entire relationship with them. But I think that for a lot of people, especially those that that come from more of a technical background than a business background, translating that figure into sort of an actual insight to improve their business is a little bit uh, less obvious. So how do you think that developers can best use customer lifetime value or LTV to improve their app business?
1: Well, sure. So, customer lifetime value, LTV, as you said, um, is first and foremost a um, conceptual framework. It's uh, not something that you have to compute for the sake of computing it. Um, it means it's the the overall value, the overall uh, revenue that one user will bring over the, the, the course of their lifetime. Now, um, as I was saying, computing LTV for the sake of it does not make, any, um, does not make uh, so much sense. What do you need LTV for? From a business point of view, at least from a, from a, a, our, our, our own point of view here at Applift is that you, you, to, to understand LTV, um, as a way to, um, assess the quality of the users that, uh, are generated for your game or for your app in general. Um, by quality, we generally mean, um, what people generally understand that people, uh, users are eventually going to monetize, but that is not necessarily the case. Of course, uh, monetization is, is part of the, um, is, is, is one big piece of the component um, of, of what LTV, of LTV, but more, 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 generally quality means could, could have, um, meanings in terms also in terms of, um, retention and engagement. um, and virality. Why? Because um, a user, a player who's more engaged and uh, retained over the course of time will be also more likely to monetize at some point, Uh, will also be likely to um, share uh, the game with uh, their friends, will be more likely to um, leave a good review, etc. All this, in the end, um, helps uh, mobile games uh, to... um, I would say it helps developers to um, eventually um, have games that monetize in the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think that, that, I mean, obviously everyone wants to be the next flappy bird. They want, to, they want to make a viral hit that's going to get hundreds of millions of users. But I think that, you know, it, it's hard to do that. And for the vast majority of apps, uh, there aren't 100 million people who's going to be valuable to have as users even. And I was wondering, how do you think you, you strike a balance between trying to, to build a user base quickly, which seems to be sort of this, this model in, uh, in the mobile environment where you build a user base quickly and then monetize later? How do you balance that between trying to figure out early on what kind of people make the best customers for you and the most valuable customers and trying to target them to build not necessarily the largest user base in the world, but the most valuable one?
1: Absolutely. What we've seen what we've seen in the last um, couple of months, I've seen last year in the in the in the in the app stores, is a focus, a shift of focus from the top free charts to the top horizon charts. Mm-hmm. Meaning that um, the sheer number of downloads does not really matter anymore. Um, it's it is not a good approach to just try and get as many users as possible that look at what the users actually how the users actually behave within the game or the app this does not make sense anymore you will just uh, most of the time we're talking about flappy birds but I think this is more of a uh, 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 luxury kind of kind of uh, case um, but more generally for the vast majority of apps uh, as I say you need to look at how the users behave within the app or within the game early on and from the beginning Um
0: yeah, no, no. I, and I think that, that you hit upon a point earlier which really plays into this, which is I think that that part of the reason that we've seen the app market develop like this, I think maybe the primary reason we've seen the app market develop like this with focus on growth, is the rise of, of the freemium business model and in-app purchases. Um, because it used to be if you had a you know 100 million downloads, everyone had paid you already. Um, but getting a a hundred million people who never pay you because the app is free to download is not going to be, is, is not a good business model because most of them, you know, might never pay you if you're, if you're not focusing on what kind of customers are a real value to you. So, um, my question is, do you think that, that we're going to (coughs) see that model continue to become dominant and, or, and, or do you think that? there's still a place or become more dominant or do you think there's still a place um, for paid downloads and other monetization models that that maybe um, don't have to worry as as much about this sort of building a user base and then figuring out how to monetize it
1: sure um yeah yeah absolutely so um off it's often the case that people um Speak of freemium or free to play versus paid model, but I don't think they should be put at odds with each other. I think they are two two different, completely different kinds of products. Um, of course, now you focus on the revenue and the downloads brought about by free to play, which is, which is normal because, um, there's no barrier to entry. So it's normally gets more downloads. And of course, the revenues are higher because there's no capping on the, um, revenue which, which can be generated per user. Um, now this said, um, I mean, both models are very hard to, um, to master. Uh, because of course, the paid model will put off a lot of users in the first place. And with the freemium model, you can still get the downloads, but it's really hard to get people to eventually, uh, spend money with it. Um, I think there is still room for, um, both models. Um, they bring very different Kinds of, um, of promotion. Um, they require very different kinds of promotions. Um, with um, with free play, of course, there's a lot of user acquisition, advertising. With paid, it's more about um, public relations and uh, and word of mouth and branding um, than anything. So. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that a free-to-play model will dominate. Of course, it will dominate in terms of revenue. It will dominate in this way, but it won't. Um, there will still always be uh, possibility for paid apps to uh, to to, to uh, shine through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And and I um I never really. I, I mean that that makes a lot of sense what you say about the focus, uh, the different different focuses of promotion. When you 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 know hear about these gigantic. Uh, free-to-play games you you just sort of you know you see them through ads and you know a clash of clans and and all these huge games are advertising on tv but when you hear about at least from my perspective smaller paid download games it, it's the press where you see those but and do you think that when you think about those two models obviously the promotion model is different do you think that you have to look at the actual mechanics of your game and the appeal of your game and then as a developer make a decision about which monetization model fits the product you have first or do you think that, that it's sort of um, that it's more about how you promote your product and how you uh, interact with your customers that drives what model you should be using?
1: Um, I think the monetization model should be uh, picked right from the start. You either make one or the other. I don't think there's something that you can decide later on. Uh, because everything then depends on it. All of the, 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 the play mechanisms, the, the, the user experience, everything will depend on how you um uh, on how you uh, on how you wish how you uh, set your remote, uh, monetization model. Because if you have um, a free-to-play game, then of course you will build your, you will build uh, the game in a way that will um, gradually uh, get the user to different stages when they will have the possibility to make in-app purchases. With um with a paid game, you don't need to do this. It's it's something different. Um so depending on the kind of the kind of I would first say first um think, okay, what's the idea for a game? What do you actually want to want, want to achieve? And what kind of gameplay do I want in it And from there decide which monetization model to to um to to go with, and from there really build the games according to it. But yeah, I would say right from the start.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. That that makes a lot of sense. Um and and you know, going off of, of talking about promotion and, and PR and, and and all that, I want to talk a little bit about um something you brought up earlier and, and virality and its relationship to lifetime value. Because um, for me, virality is, is kind of uh is an interesting concept in how it relates to um branding. And this is something that we've seen mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of mobile games, a lot of the larger players, especially in mobile and social gaming, struggle with is getting people to play their follow ups after their first hit. And do you think that, that, because for me, from my perspective, um, virality and, and hearing about games from a, a certain company and then learning to trust that company is going to be the key. And word of mouth marketing is going to be in the key in trying to build persistent ga- brands in mobile brand, in, mo- in mobile gaming. Mm-hmm. But do you think that, that that's the right way to be thinking about it or do you think that virality is more about um you know using word of mouth marketing for for a smaller paid download game or or just sort of you know the initial user buildup?
1: um i'd say that branding is of course as like i said branding is very important for um hate games um because that's the lot that's the trust that will um, have people actually put up the, uh, the 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 money for the upfront price in the first place But I I think branding is becoming much more important for free-to-play games as well. We've seen seen these franchises and um, of course it is something which is very nice to to develop over the course of time, even for free-to-play games, because it will also uh, help with organic downloads uh, when launching a new game. So if you have a brand, you already have a brand out there and you want to launch a new game, of course it will help with the organics and lower your overall cost of acquisition. Now, if you talk about virality, most of the time, the way that we look at virality is more um, how it can help you within the user lifecycle of one specific game, how you can optimize for, uh, for virality, which will, um, in the end, also help you decrease um, your acquisition costs because more virality means more free organic downloads. Uh, from people that you didn't have to, from users you didn't have to pay for in advertising, etc. So uh, it's, it's very important because in the end it's, it enables you to increase your, um, your ROI. So I think it's, um, it's kind of the same me- mechanisms in terms of um, psychological me- mechanisms, but just the, 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 the actual mechanics will be different for, um, for free-to-play games and paid games in the end. Because you can, for instance, uh, I think virality in, in terms of paid, game, paid games will be much, much more about the trust, mm-hmm. um, and in free free play games, as as the app is free to download, it will be much more about um, lowering your uh, acquisition costs.
0: Okay, yeah, um, I mean that's a great that's a great way to think about it, and, and I uh, I agree with you. Um, but I'm wondering just sort of to, to dig in more on virality because it's sort of a um, it's a difficult concept to, to, to think about how to use accurately in a business context just from measurement because, I mean, <coughs> when you think about virality, it's always going to be, a, uh, it's always going to be an estimate of, of some sort, I,
1: I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, it depends. Uh, you have two kinds of virality, One's, one that can be measured and one that can't. Um, when it can be measured is very easy, it's like Facebook sharing. Or just um uh, could be SMS sharing within the app. And then you have the non metric one, which is of course uh, word of mouth.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you just from your perspective, how do you think about um how do you think about, about trying to figure out and how do you think about estimating word of mouth? And 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 how is uh do you think as a developer and as a business you should be thinking about how do I what what kind of word of mouth am I anticipating, and and where do you sort of? Um, how do I mean? Yeah, just
1: what, how do you think that businesses should be thinking
0: about word of mouth?
1: Um, they should be thinking it in the way that um, that they need to make a game which is compelling and which is would bring would bring a lot of interest. Um, and um, we were talking about branding before. I think branding is a great way to also uh, increase the word of mouth. In fact, if you think about um, the game from glue Kim Kardashian is of course something that will uh, draw attention and, and uh, people will talk about. So this, you see more and more brand, um, what you see is, 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 is branding taking a much more important role in, um, in, in uh, having people being aware generally of, that the game is there. And, uh, and yeah, from, from this point of view, that's how word of mouth is important. When you think it's, it's still, it's getting, it's, it's getting much more important in Europe, but if you think of Asia, um, over there, it's um, completely paramount, because uh, over there, virality is the main growth factor for games. Um, it is a lot about branding. It is a lot about offline marketing. It's a lot about branding, and it's a lot about playing what your friends are playing. So the, the viral effect is, is, is much more important. Um, and um, we're seeing this this trend in, your, in, in, in Europe and, and, and Western world in general as well.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad you brought up the the Asian market because it, it's a really fast for me. The differences between the Western market they have a lot of differences between each other in Europe and the U S. and even within Europe. Um, and but the between the Western markets and the Asian market in general is is really fascinating. Um, and I think that that I, when I've always because I you know I I agree with you that, that his virality is is paramount there. Um, but when I think about it, I've always thought that that's down to the way that the mobile platforms are structured there where you have these large chat applications and a lot of the games
1: live within those yeah.
0: applications. Do you think that's right or
1: or do you think that there's another well, it's Well, it's, it's, um, it all goes together, right? So um, what I think you were talking about is the, what we refer to as OTT or over-the-top uh, messaging apps. So you have uh, WeChat in China we have um um, line in in Japan, for instance. So it, it all goes together because these are uh, highly social messaging apps. So as I was saying, it's over there. It's all about playing what your friends are playing, what everyone is talking about. So that's it. That's that also helps with the virality and the word of mouth um, effect Just just looking at what your uh, notifications of what your game, what your friends are playing, uh, will automatically drive virality. It's uh, that's that's just the way it works over there. Yeah. yeah so they're using these platforms as, as efficient um, uh, user acquisition methods mainly through the social and the viral components yeah um
0: do you th- okay my my next question I guess about that is that uh, the over the top messaging um, application obviously there are some that are that are big in western markets but they don't have things like whatsapp but they don't have that same um that same emphasis on advertising and social sharing, at least in my experience, do you think that that's coming or do you think that that we're going to see WeChat or Line starting to move more into Western markets and that model start to gain traction?
1: I don't think it's going to be as prevalent because we don't don't work the same. I mean, the the social interactions are different as well and also we do not – I mean, there's uh, it's it. There's a, there's a bigger tolerance over there in how much digital uh, life can intrude within your own um, uh, within your own your own private life. Uh, even even, see, even though you might think it's it's already very high here, um, over there is is much a much higher tolerance as well. So there might be some some components um, of this of this phenomenon uh, coming over here. But I don't think it will ever be to that to that point. Um, I think here is more about um, branding. So, for instance, think of, of the, the, again the Kim Kardashian game. This is something. This is like a, a social phenomenon that anyone can relate to, and it, and the game builds on that. But but it's you don't yet see so much games building on their own brands, like on their own franchises, as much. Maybe a little bit. I um, uh, can a little bit of Candy Crush all that. But still, it's not it's not to the level that you can see uh, in Asia.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um when you say that you don't see games building on their own brands. And 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 what cuz cause I, cause I I think is is something that that constitutes a real issue. Um if you mm-hmm. compare mobile gaming to the rest of of the way the gaming world operates. Yeah. Uh that that building on your own brand is is the way you make the, you know major you, the way you make real money in you know pc and and console mm-hmm. gaming yeah do you think that's going to come to mobile gaming or do you think that i don't the way it's structured
1: i think the way it's structured because mobile gaming is is for now at least for now is quite casual so that's what works what works best casual or mid-core is the best um so you see a little bit for mid core, but for casual gaming it's more of um when you look when you look at uh, again Kim Kardashian, so it's like I would say casual to mid core. Um kind of the, the, the level of engagement is is I'll say mid high compared to uh, what you can see in Asia. Uh and as I was saying, it remains um uh, it remains casual, so it's not that people will um uh live the brand as much as they do. Uh, in Asia, so for instance, Kim Kardashian is building on the on the celebrity brand, on celebrity phenomenon. Uh, whereas in Asia, you'd have an, uh, a game which would build up completely on its own on its own brands to uh, to to reach this level of, um, of visibility and and uh, you know um, uh, um, level of visibility as well. Yeah, basically, of, of or uh, prevalence uh, among the, among people's uh, people's uh, minds.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, do you think though that that as mobile gaming evolves, and we see a lot of this now, um, but with the success of of the Kardashian game, which we've we talked discuss a little bit, and also just sort of on a different level, um, the success of Blizzard, who's who's traditionally a um, a PC gaming company, had moving mm-hmm. into mobile games um, when they released their game uh, Hearthstone, I believe it's called. Do you mm-hmm. think that we're going to see outside brands? move into mobile gaming to try and leverage the identification they, they already have with consumers into getting a, a piece of that pie, especially in the, the casual and, uh, and the, the, you know, the mid gaming markets, or do you think that, that that's going to become harder as game, as the mobile gaming space continues to mature?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, sure. They wouldn't, they'd be wrong not to. Uh, there is, um, there's more and more uh, crossover between mobile and online you uh, see the especially the rise of tablet gaming um, tablets are becoming much more powerful uh, the controls are becoming much more easy a lot of controllers uh, can be associated with um, with mobile devices etc so the crossover is becoming bigger and of course traditional online online brands be run not to um, not to try the crossover to the to the mobile to the mobile world um, and I'm just wondering, in terms of of audience uh, reach, what they can achieve uh, right now, because the, the the strength of these of these brands, just Candy Crush and and Kim Kardashian and the Supercell, is that they have um, created games which appeal to a, a very very broad audience of casual to co audience, and I'm wondering how fast and how, how successful these uh, online brands will be at at doing that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know yet. We'll we'll have to see. Yeah,
0: no, it's it's an it's an interesting question, um, and I I sort of wanted to, to shift gears um, a little bit because obviously this is, an, is an interesting topic. But I I want to talk to to a little bit about while I have you, um, the way that in app purchases are being treated in in the regulatory environment, both in the mm-hmm. US and Europe, and especially in Europe, because you obviously have a, a a deeper perspective on on what's going on over there than I do. But we're seeing that. It, regulatory challenges and and to in-app purchases and i want i just wanted to sort of like just to start off a, a discussion on this the i want to get your thought about what do you think that as if i am a game developer operating in the european market should i be worried right now if i have in-app purchases that that i could
1: see regulatory challenges on my doorstep <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, it, it, of course, is as um, always the case that when a new platform emerges, when there's something new coming up, uh, people try and you know make the most of it, and um, the regulatory authorities only try and 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 tackle wow. the issue once the uh, the platform has reached a certain uh, a certain size and a certain, um, uh, of course, a certain level of maturity, but. If you see what's happened so far, um, the, uh, the the big platforms so Apple and Google have uh, com- complied with the authorities in the US and Europe as well. You can see now that um, the all the in-app purchases, uh, the, the, the different uh, levels of in-app purchase are clearly stated on the App Store pages. Uh, that you have an uh, obligation to disclose the location of the developer. Um, that you uh, even on Google Play recently. Uh, also, disclosed at different levels in our purchases. Google Play recently renamed um, its um, charts, uh, top charts, top free apps to um, uh, top top apps. Uh, at least in Europe, that was one of the requirements from the from the European Commission. So, of course, you can see that. Uh, there will be more requirements in terms of disclosure transparency and and, and and safety for for children, for instance, but I don't think that's something that's going to be a major uh, uh, a major problem for mobile game developers in general
0: yeah yeah, yeah, and you know the, the reason that I, that I bring it up is in, in the u s um, we've seen that that when regulators have have had issues they've gone, the charges have gone directly at um, the the platforms and they responded. Yes. To um, but uh, but I think that there there's a few cases where in Europe it's been more about um, the advertising it, that that game makers are using than it mm-hmm. has been uh, the actual in app purchases. Like I know the UK charged mm-hmm. a mobile game developer for calling their app free when it, they determined that to really play it you had to make in app purchases. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think it's quite fair. Um, you had uh, the um, I think it's called the OFT, the Office of Fair Trading in the UK, published a document last um, last May. Um, we actually wrote a blog post about it. If you, if you uh, check out our blog uh, on the um, on the, the same measures in terms of um, in terms of advertisements and also in terms of in-game advertisements, which is another chunk. Uh, um, it, of how game developers should uh, advertise and position uh, their games. So, um, for now, and I, I haven't seen I haven't seen this um, happen yet. But what we've what we've um, what we think could happen, for instance, is that developers might or advertisers may not be allowed to call the games free or say um, download for free if, if the um, if the, uh, the game is, uh, offers in-app purchases, but I, this hasn't happened yet, and I don't think it will go, it will go as far. Um, in this document I was just talking about, the OFT has done their own work uh, very well and really makes a difference between the in-app purchases, which are enable you to go faster in the game, to uh, buy weapons that you would normally have to wait um, a certain number of days for, with the purchases which are really necessary to continue playing in the game and i would say this is this is major difference in the in the uh, regulatory environment um, most most of the free to play games now today are uh, Belong to the former category, not the second, not the, not the latter. So I think the issue would would be more for these for these kind of uh, in that would be, for instance, want to uh, I would take a very blatant case, want to keep on playing, that you need to pay like, in that sense. Um But for the rest, I think apart from s- some disclosure uh, re- disclosure requirements and transparency, I don't think it would be much an issue either.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I I mean I I think you're right. I think that it's it's. Um and obviously you, you've got a, a better handle clearly on the situation in, in the European regulatory environment than I do. Um, but I guess, and, and I guess this is sort of a, a two-part question because as, as you said earlier, we're seeing that, especially in the tablet space, um, the sort of traditional Apple world and the mobile web are kind of c- converging a little bit. They're coming closer together. Um, and I guess my, my question for you is, do you think that we're going to see as tablets continue to develop and the mobile web continues to increase in strength we're going to see there's going to be more opportunities for monetization outside of the app stores for game developers. That's a big question, obviously. But also the the secondary part of that is as that happens, because as you said, Google and Apple Mm -hmm. and the other players have done a very good job of of self-regulating in-app purchases. But do you think that as that happens, we're going to see sort of these problematic uh, monetization models pop back up again? And is that going to increase
1: scrutiny on the rest of the industry? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. Um, it's true that the there's there's also some sort of crossover between the um, the, the app world and say mobile web. Mobile web is becoming stronger stronger. The the tools available for, for developers are, are becoming much more advanced as well. Um, I mean, for now, uh, reports uh, states that I think by Flurry states that eighty five percent of app traffic of mobile traffic is in app versus mobile web. Uh, but of course, I think this will um, the the, the the border will will uh, fade out at some point or not completely disappear, but uh won't be as as uh strict as today. Um of course, what what we just described means a new platform means new new platform distribution. And a new platform for distribution means that the rules that were um uh, that were enforced on the previous platform are no longer valid. And that means that there will be another another wave of regulatory procedures and uh, etc. But I don't I I don't I think this is just a normal course of action for uh the development of any kind of technology or platform, I don't think this thing is about a specific issue to, to mobile web or um, specific case you mentioned. Yeah, yeah,
0: all right, that's that's great. I mean, you know, uh, we'll we'll see. It's it's an interesting development, and it, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how those platforms continue to change and evolve. Um, I mean, I think that you know, if, if you think about the way it has changed, I think if you if we had gone back you know, five years ago or, or even a bit further than that and asked, you know, who would be leading the way forward in, in phone technology. I'm not sure that, that Apple and Google would have been, or, you know, leading the orange phone I'm not sure Apple and Google would have been everyone's choices. But, um, so I guess my question is, it's sort of a final question. Um, where do you, what do you think will be the biggest difference in mobile game in the mobile gaming market and space, uh, five years from now, from the way it is today?
1: Hmm. Uh, that's a long time for now. <laughs> Given that, um, I I think that um, definitely uh, in terms of um, in terms, I think it will will. I I don't know yet in terms of uh, players or. Um, or Or I would say brands coming and coming, et cetera. but I think there will be a lot uh, develop a lot of developments outside of the of device. I was mentioning controllers before. We have um, wearables coming um, also developing in the last in the last months, to years, so I think we will uh, and I was also mentioning crossover between online and mobile. So I think at some point uh, the crossover will be complete. Uh, you will be able to uh, play games seamlessly between. A mobile device, your TV, uh, your computer, uh, have, um, get the, get the results of your, of your, uh, of the latest round of your battle on your, on your, uh, iWatch, whatever. So I think this, the, you, you the technology, um, will allow for, for, this kind of, um, blending of, um, of supports of, of, um, of, tic- of uh, yeah, devices. Uh, or platforms. And um, you will see that right now you have more and more uh, technology um, that's enable you to track users across different platforms and, and devices. So, yeah, it's already starting, and uh, we'll probably see it at the bottom further in the next years.
0: All right. Well, thank you for coming on. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Voices of the Industry. For more podcasts, visit the Apps Alliance at devspill.it or subscribe on iTunes.